Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Sex Wrap. You're here with Spring and Andrew. Hey, Andrew, what's up? Hi, Spring. I'm having a really lovely day. It's beautiful. It's sunny. And I get to see you, which always makes my day a little bit better as well. Spring just showed me something on her phone that I think the whole world needs to know about. Are you willing (laughs) to share what you just showed me? Yeah, I have a little reminder set on my phone that says gratitude is my only attitude today. And it is a hourly reminder. So it pops up on my phone all day long. (laughs) I mean, I think I need that every day, like every hour. Like I'm pretty grateful. I don't know if I've shared with everybody, but I'm I'm a huge fan of gratefulness journals. I have dozens of them that I filled mm-hmm. up where every day I write down, you know, one, two, three, 12 things that I'm grateful for. Um, and as I actually really like going back in time and looking at them like, you know, three years ago, what was I grateful for? Um, and it's like a really neat view and it keeps my head in that gratefulness space. But um Highly recommend anyone out there. I um, recently put um, some, you know, that like chalkboard paint. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to paint my door because I didn't want to have to change it when I move out of this apartment eventually. But I got this um, chalkboard like a contact paper that you can put up and I put it on my door. And so on the back of my door, I can like write chalk messages now. And I have a gratitude list on there. So I like see it constantly and I keep adding to it. And that's also been like amazing to like have right in my face all the time. (laughs) I mean, it seems ridiculous and silly and goofy to write these things down, but it changes the way that you interact with the world. And when something bad happens, it's almost like armor that you have on you. Like when something crappy happens and you know, it doesn't matter how happy and bright you are, crappy things happen in your life. But if you're focused and centered on this idea that, you know, like, well, yeah, crappy things happen. But look, I have this big list of things that are lovely. And I mean, the list that I write, sometimes it's really small. Like I saw an otter at the lake today and it made me <laughs> smile. And I'm really grateful that like there's a lake on like where I, on, on the campus where I am and I walk around it all the time. I saw, a, I saw an iguana fall out of a tree because it was too cold. <laughs> like weird things, but they make me happy. Um, But uh, I hope all of our listeners out there are focusing on things that make you happy, too. And that's so important. I mean, it's so important all the time. But, you know, when uh, things are challenging, which is all the time, but especially right now. (laughs) And then, um, you know, we're in COVID. And then also you want to add in um, high pressure holidays like Valentine's Day coming up. Yikes. (laughs) So these are times that like. Um, people can spin, people can like go, Oh my God, you know, this is, this is not what I want in my life right now. And it makes you feel upset and it makes you feel like, um, depressed and it can, you know, really affect your mood, but that can really affect your behavior. It can really affect, you know, what you want to be able to do. Um, and so I think it is really important, like as we're in this season and like observing, okay, when are these times that feel challenging for me and then extra armoring up? Absolutely. And I'm really glad you mentioned Valentine's Day. You all know how I feel, but Valentine's Day can be great too. Um, 
it's going to be challenging this year with uh, coronavirus and people being separated. I made a joke with Spring that like Rona is the worst Valentine. Um, but we have some episodes. I think they're they're back in like April and May where we're talking about how to do long distance with coronavirus and how to have a date with coronavirus. So if you want some ideas on how to have like a better Valentine's Day, we have a bunch of stuff prepped from you or prepped for you in the past. Um, and I mean, I should love Valentine's Day. My life is full of love and I have great people around and I'm pretty good at expressing emotion most of the time. And I tell the people I love them, I love them. Um, that's probably due to my gratitude journal, though, because it reminds me I need to make sure that I reach out and tell these people those things. But you hate commercialization of things. And so obviously that's why you don't like Valentine's Day and this forced idea of things. And I mean, that goes against everything that we think about when we think about consent and sex and relationships, right? Like this is a forced holiday where you're like you're supposed to do this today and you're supposed to celebrate this today. And that can be really challenging, especially um, if you feel like maybe your relationship isn't in the best place on that day or you just or you can't see your partner on that day because of coronavirus or, you know, a million other things. It's just so messy. Like men, unfortunately, live in this world where they're not supposed to show emotion or share emotion. And then all of a sudden they're expected to produce romance out of nothing. Um, and then women are in this world where they're told they're supposed to be wined and dined in romance. And this is heteronormative, right? Like I'm sure in lesbian and gay and non-binary couples, there's, there's other roles. I do think that uh, lesbians and gays do romance a little bit better because the distribution of emotion and production of romance is more equally spread between them. But I mean, it, it's a mess. And, uh, if, if you feel like you're being forced into celebrating a holiday about loving somebody, I, I think it's probably time for you to think about that relationship with that person and think about ways that you can, you know, show them that you love them on more days. And also we did a relationship or we did an episode uh, pretty recently about like the friends and relationships and balancing them. I love the idea of every day being Valentine's Day and that you also include friends in that because, you know, relationships don't work without friends. No days. Well, every day and no days. Like because the manufactured part. Is... <laughs> ugh, yeah. Steak and a blowjob day, right? It, it, isn't that supposed to be like the, the female response to Valentine's Day just as fake and just as manufactured? Yeah, it's it's supposed to be what guys want. Yeah, because that because they did whatever girls want for Valentine's Day, so they get that in response. Whatever. I Those I can't scripts. talk about this anymore. Yuck. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about? So uh I, I'm a, I'm actually really excited for our topic today. Spring, what is our question? So in response to uh, boycotting Valentine's Day, we came up with a series of episodes. So today and then for the next two weeks, we have some episodes all about porn. Porn. That's what really gets <laughs> you through Valentine's Day. Um, in our question today, um, we have uh, we've had quite a few users or listen, users. We had quite a few listeners um, send us some questions about their favorite porn disappearing from Pornhub. Um, which really made Spring and I start talking about like, well, we, we've never done a Pornhub episode. So today is all about Pornhub, the good, the bad, and the beautiful. I didn't want to say the ugly because there's people and I don't want to be assessing what happens. Um, <laughs> so uh, in case you didn't know, Pornhub is wildly popular. Um, so popular, in fact, that if we look globally, the whole world, every single country combined, it is the, it's the seventh or eighth? Uh, most 
It's the eighth, eighth most popular most? website in the world. It's the eighth most popular if you're looking just in the U.S., but it's also the eighth most popular if you're looking worldwide, which is just crazy to me. And if you look at the number of visits per month, it's 3.36 billion visits a month. That's so many. I can't even... I don't even know what that means. There's like 7 point something billion people. So that's like half the world visiting at least once a month. That's insane. That, that That's not quite how it works. But I mean, billions of visits. I mean, that <gasps> makes it right up there with Facebook and Twitter and Google and Amazon. Probably gets more visits than Amazon. It at Worldwide, Pornhub beats Amazon. But in the US, Amazon beats Pornhub. <laughs> Well, also Amazon owns all kinds of other websites like Enterk. <laughs> and uh, what else does it own? Oh, Twitch and tons of other. Anyway, so Pornhub is popular. It's out there. And uh, we've had lots of questions over the years coming about porn. And Spring and I have talked about it a little bit, but we thought it would be nice for the month of February to talk about porn with all of you for the rest of the month. So we, yeah, past episodes we've talked about like, is it a problem if I watch porn or can I be addicted to porn? We've talked about some of these issues before, but we haven't really gone in, (laughs) gone in to uh, what's really happening here. And so, you know, we talked about thirst traps last week and we're like, okay, let's, let's get in a little deeper here. We're going to go into Pornhub this week. Um, and then our following two weeks, we're going to talk about, um, racism specifically with black people in porn. And we're also going to be talking about ethically produced porn and like where and how and what that looks like as well. So we have like a whole little series carved out for you here that we're pretty psyched about. Super psyched. And, uh, uh, we're starting with Pornhub because that's where most people go to get their porn, right? It's like so the number many people one go. site. I couldn't believe it when we were like looking up some of those crazy st- statistics. But then we all know a lot of people who watch a lot of porn. So, I, I mean, it does make sense at the end of the day. Um, but uh, is Pornhub good? Is Pornhub bad? Is this what we should be using? How did it get popular? Like, I think those are the sort of questions that we need to dig into today. Um, and the answer to all of those questions is it's a little bit murky. Um, but most of the time, if you have unregulated sites that are just posting any content that people post, it can be really kind of negative. Um, and we've done an episode in the past about revenge porn. We've talked about like lots of other issues with communication and consent. And we know that a lot of what was happening on Pornhub, um, especially, you know, up until about January of this year was really problematic. So what Andrew means is that anybody could, um, upload anything to Pornhub. So you just had to create an account, which you could put any false information in really that you want, and then you could upload content. So there was a lot of content that was not being regulated in any way. So that means there was a lot of illegal content. So there were things that were posted without people's consent. So there were things definitely revenge porn type things that you're thinking of. Hey, Spring, refresh everybody again on what revenge porn is. So revenge porn is um, a nickname for the real broader term is cyber sexual assault. But um, revenge porn um, is a very specific type of cyber sexual assault that when someone breaks up with someone and then their ex is mad at them, they post either videos or images of that person um, that are intimate photos and videos like sexual 
photos and videos and they post those without that person's consent. So it's like they're trying to get revenge on that person by posting this porn of them. Um, so there was a lot of that happening. Yeah. And Spring was really brave. We have an episode about some of Spring's experiences with revenge porn. I don't remember the exact number. Um, we'll put that in the, the notes if you want to see it. But I mean, it's a very serious issue. And there are millions of mostly women, but some men um, whose lives are potentially, and I don't want to say ruined, but like really thoroughly disrupted by this kind of revenge. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, so we do have an episode all about revenge porn. And, um, I think that, you know, when, and that's episode 30, um, but if you want to go back and listen to that, great. But the, the issue here is that we were having not only revenge porn, but like a lot of other type of content that was being uploaded to, um, Pornhub as well that was illegal, including child porn. Yeah, they had found, I believe it was about 120 different instances of child abuse related pornography. Um, that same group, do you, do you know how many instances of uh, child uh, abuse pornography they found on Facebook? No, how many? 84 million. Oh my God. I mean, I am mostly off of Facebook already, but when I see those kind of statistics, it makes me wonder like, is Pornhub doing better than? other companies when it comes to policing some of this kind of content. We haven't even gotten to the, like all of the other things that are happening. So Pornhub had lots of revenge porn, right? It had lots of, it, it had some child and child sex abuse videos. Um, the other thing that was happening a lot on Pornhub was uh, there are lots of predatory pornography companies that lure people in with false promise, promises, um, that, you know, take advantage of people in precarious situations, whether it's homelessness or hunger. You're talking about the people starring in the videos now. Yeah, I'm talking about the people who are in the video. So like, they're lured in with, like like I said, false promises, like, hey, if you do this, you can make thousands of dollars a month. Or um, they're lured in because like they desperately need enough money to pay a bill or whatever it is. Um, and then the companies make pornography with that person as a star. And often the pornography that they make is demeaning or derogatory. Um, maybe the person is promised that it's not going to be widely distributed all over the internet. And what happens is once it's out there, and we've, we've talked about this in earlier episodes as well, like once a video is shared or sent, um, it's out there and it's really hard to get rid of. So sometimes these videos are demeaning. Someone just did it one time. They made a mistake or they didn't want to go forward. The filming of this porn is completely legal. The contracts are signed, but it follows uh, the, the people who are starring in the porn for, for years and years and years, and it's hard to get rid of. Um, and the way that Pornhub was set up previously is any person could find any video of anybody and just upload it, and then they could make profit based on how many people were downloading and looking at the pornography video. Um, well beyond, you know, like five or 10 or even 20 years later, some of these videos were following um, mostly young women around. So it doesn't, it's not quite revenge porn, but it's sort of this perpetual reminder. Um, and I don't think sex work is bad. And Spring and I have also talked about this many times, but there are a lot of people in the world who really stigmatize any kind of sex work that anyone has ever done, even legal consensual porn. Um, and it can, 
prevent people from getting positions and jobs. I just want to kind of uh, clarify a couple of things that you were saying there. So, um, so Andrew is talking about these companies that are creating porn and that they're not doing it ethically, right? They're forcing people to do things or promising them things they're not giving them when they're creating the porn. And so then by the time it's uploaded, the people that were involved in it might not want it to be uploaded by that time. But because of these reasons, because of how the company treated them, they don't have a choice in that. And so this is what we're talking about. Like there's a lot of non-ethically produced porn on Pornhub. And so even though it doesn't meet these qualifications of illegal because it is not, you know, um, posted without consent or it's not child porn, but it is um, not ethical in other ways. So one of these like very broad things, and this is, we'll have a whole nother episode on what is ethical porn, but that is when we're talking about these problems with Pornhub, you know, that is one of the things we want to draw attention to that a lot of the videos, even if they are are quote unquote professionally produced, that does not mean that they are videos that you actually want to donate your dollars to, which you are doing when you watch something on Pornhub. When you watch something on Pornhub, that is creating money for that video, right? For the people who have posted that video, when you click on it and you watch it. And so it's important what you do with your clicks. It's important like how you actually spend your time on the internet. Absolutely. But uh, we need to just take a short break. So we will be right back in a minute to keep talking about Pornhub. All right, everybody, welcome back. Today, what we're doing is we're talking about Pornhub and we've been talking about some issues with Pornhub. Um, I want to say a couple positive things as well. Um, so Spring and I both know people who uh, do sex work. Um, in sex work, there's lots of different ways that it, it, it's defined, but I, I have a few friends who actually produce um, their own ethical pornography. Um, and it's especially with coronavirus, it's become their primary job. Um, so, you know, they, they would make videos and then they would post it to, you know, like OnlyFans and post it to Pornhub to try to get enough money to live um, of their own consent and volition. Um, and there have some been some things that have happened uh, that have made it really difficult for them right now. I think it's one of those groups of people where, you know, like we need to get rid of revenge porn. We can't have ch children being abused. We shouldn't have porn of people who were, you know, sort of tricked into what was going on. But uh, sometimes when we get rid of all of those, we hurt people who are depending upon sex work as their primary form of income. Um, so uh, one of the things that happened with Pornhub recently, and I think it's really important, uh, and Spring and I were really excited when it happened, is like Pornhub went in and said you needed to be verified. They got rid of 10, almost 10 million videos. A lot of videos. It, it, it was a majority of their videos. <laughs> yeah. So, so they had like 15 million videos. And then after they passed these rules, they got rid of 10 million. So they only had like three or four million left on the other side. But in this process, Visa and MasterCard stopped processing payments. So for people who are trying to make some of the ethically produced porn, they lost their really livelihood or way to make it. Um, so, I mean, it's always really interesting for me to look at this, you know, I take a step back and obviously I want to protect people, but in the process of protecting people, some people who are trying to do right by pornography sort of miss out as well. 
I think Spring wanted uh, Spring wanted to mention uh, you know more about the Visa and Mastercard than I do, right? There's something you wanted to say? Yeah. So yeah, I think you know. So we had all these problems with Pornhub, right? We have all of this content that's going up that is not legal, not ethical in different ways, and um, and the and the New York Times broke a big article last month where um, they called out all of this problem with child porn. And it was the first time that there was um, some mass media attention drawn to this issue, although it had been known for a while. Like it, it was, I would say it was well known that there were all of these things happening on Pornhub. And so it was um, a really great big deal when that finally broke in the New York Times. And, um, what happened was Pornhub didn't take any action right away, right? Pornhub wasn't doing anything. Pornhub had Pornhub knew about these issues, of course, and they weren't actually changing anything because they're making money because they're getting these clicks, you know? And so there was no reason for them to change. And then what happened was um, Visa and MasterCard as their own entities decided to not allow their credit cards to be um, used on Pornhub's website. So a lot of people pay for memberships um, and pay for accounts with Pornhub to get access to um, longer, better, higher quality, whatever videos. And um, because Visa and MasterCard said, okay, there's illegal content and we don't want to be um, implicated in anything illegal. We're not letting anybody with a Visa or MasterCard to use those cards on the Pornhub website. And that was a huge blow to Pornhub. So if they cannot have Visa and MasterCard, they cannot take the majority of people's money that they were accepting for their account payments. And so that was something that finally forced Pornhub to say, okay, we're going to take down all this child porn. <laughs> we're going to like go through and see what some of these problems are on our website. And I think, you know, that was a really um, interesting move by Visa and MasterCard because they like said, um, we see a problem here and they're not addressing it. So we're going to step in. And, um, and I love that. And I think that, you know, this creative problem solving, um, is amazing because we've had so many problems with these big tech companies, not, doing what they should do to protect people on their platforms and not doing what they should do to limit illegal activity on their platforms. And so I love this new way of creative problem solving to say like, okay, we're going to hit you where it hurts. And like, and you know, that was a very brave move, I think actually for Visa and MasterCard. Um, I'm glad that they both did it to be honest, because that really, um, works much better than if only one of them had done that. But with both of them coming together and saying that, then that's, that's like, okay, like Pornhub almost becomes like, so crippled that they can't function without that then, right? I mean, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, my head is reeling because Spring was talking about these big tech companies. And, and what we've learned is that self-policing isn't a thing, right? Unless pressure is applied from the outside, we know that most companies are always going to prioritize making money overdoing the right thing. And sometimes like it, it's, you know, you get extra ads in your email and Gmail or something like that. Like it doesn't feel like it's that bad. But when we're talking about a place like Pornhub, it really can have devastat devastating, traumatic, long-term negative impacts on people's lives. And it can perpetuate violence against women. It can perpetuate illegal behaviors and child pornography. And it can perpetuate um, 
making people live in fear with revenge porn. And, and, and I mean, those changes happened and I don't know if they're enough. Like Spring and I don't know if they're enough, but like it makes me feel a little bit better about an industry that I mean, I do want to support it. Like if, if someone is engaging in sex work of their own consent and they want to do it, I want to be supportive of them in that endeavor. But it's really hard to be supportive of companies that you know aren't taking action until like lawsuits are happening. And then Visa, when are Visa and MasterCard the good guys in any story ever? Except for this. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. So um, what else is Pornhub doing? And so like right now, um, just in the past week, we've seen um, even in the past few days, uh, Pornhub has been posting um, or there's some articles about these new updates about what Pornhub is doing. And one of the things they're doing is um, announcing some new biometric technology to verify users. So like if we think about verification of users and like what does that mean and what does that actually help here? So if they're verifying their users, then that means whoever uploads content is a known person in some way, right? That means like if they upload something that is illegal, we should be able to track it back to them. It doesn't stop them from posting something illegal. So they can still post illegal things, but hopefully then we can track back to that person who has posted that thing. I mean, it just builds accountability into the model so that if there is a problem, then, you know, then you can sort of hunt down the issue and then figure out who's doing it and then hopefully prevent it in the future as well. Yeah. And I mean, this, uh, I think that there's a lot of other um, things that they could be doing more proactively, um, like this idea of, you know, understanding who users are is, um, is part of it. And I think that, you know, that starts to get to the issue. Maybe it makes people think a little more, or maybe it just gets them a little more creative and faking their identities. (laughs) Um, but I think that there's a lot more that, um, big websites can do, right? Including Pornhub, like they could be creating things proactively to try to prevent the uploading of these different types of things. And they could be reviewing things that are going up. And this is still stuff that they're not doing. You know, there's still... Yeah. I mean, if YouTube can take down my video because I'm walking somewhere outside and there's a three second clip of Celine Dion, who I don't listen to in my day to day life from a bar... But you know what I mean? Like the level of sensitivity that YouTube YouTube has to protect musical artists, I don't think it would be too hard for us to ask for that in other uh, areas as well. Yeah. I mean, you're right that like, you know, Instagram can identify a couple clips of a song that you don't own the rights to and remove your video instantly. Like, why why don't we have these things built in um, for Pornhub as well? Because the music companies have billions of dollars and they would sue. And anyway, I mean, for me, at the end of the day, and this is, you know, a little off topic, but who is responsible for policing online content? Is it is it the company? Is it the person who posts it? Is there some kind of like shared accountability between the two of them? And I think the real issue with Pornhub is the answer up until December was nobody. The person who was posting, not responsible. Pornhub was not responsible, um, which means that there were a lot of people who got hurt. And I mean, I'm kind of excited to see where the new model with Pornhub goes. Perhaps this is a better working model, um, but I... It's not the last time that we're going to be talking about it. And it's not the last iteration of what they're going to be doing. But I mean, 
it, this is a baby step in a direction where hopefully, you know, fewer people are hurt and the people who want to be out there, who want to be making money doing uh, pornography and sex work can do that as well. Right. And I think it's an it, it's a way that we sort of have to balance because, I mean, neither Spring or not, Spring or I are going to stigmatize or discriminate or say negative things about people who want to do pornography or want to do sex work. But I think it's really important that we protect people who don't. Yeah. And um, I love that we're going to continue this conversation over a few weeks because I think there is so much to get into. So we would also love to hear any of your feedback, any more of your questions about any of these things that we're talking about. So if there are things you don't understand or if you think things that you want more details on, like please ask us. Um, also reach out to us on our social media. We'll have a lot of um, related content going up right now on our social media. And you should always always be checking that because it um, not only do we like share great content related to what we're talking about on the podcast, but we have contests, we have um, fun things, and we also uh, have a survey going on right now. Um, some research to like let you give us some feedback about the podcast and like we want to um, hear from you as well. So make sure you go to our socials and check that out. And Andrew, how do they find us? You can find us everywhere. Uh, and like Spring said, if you have any questions at all, let us know. You can send us an email. Uh, we're the sex rap at gmail.com. That's rap with a W. Um, you can uh, you can call us at 413 I rap it. Leave <laughs> us a message. Um, or you can come to any of our social medias. Get it? Come to our social media. And we're at the sex rap. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, continuing this conversation for the rest of the month. And like Spring said, like send us your feedback and we will incorporate it into the next few episodes. Yay. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too... Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.